You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. I don't think there's been a Marvel series that has come out that I have had so many mixed feelings about, but Captain America and the Winter Soldier have managed to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't know what to freaking call it now. Spoiler alert. Sam is Captain America. The Falcon from the Avengers is the new, you know, Captain America. Uh... I mean, I don't know why this series is the one that's boiled it for you. It's been like the worst kept secret in pop culture and entertainment for the past couple of years since Avengers Endgame came out. But yes, at the end of the credits for the final episode of the season, it was Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So I don't know why I just instinctively go towards that. Maybe it's because that's how I feel like it should be at the end. and That's how maybe they should rebrand it or whatever. It doesn't matter. Falcon and the Winter Soldier had some really high moments, and I had some really poor moments. Not to go ahead and pitch more of my own stuff, but I am a shameless self-promoter. Me and Caleb Franz, the host of an upcoming show here at the We Are Libertarians Network, Profiles in Liberty, actually did a Patreon-exclusive series for my other podcast, see how all this just kind of comes together, called... Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier recaps. It's part of the Second Print Comics Patreon. So if you're a fan of my other show, the Second Print Comics podcast, or you're listening to this and you want to hear more comic book content, go ahead and subscribe to the Second Print Comics podcast. And if you want to listen to the Falcon and Winter Soldier recaps that we did, those are over on our Patreon at Second Print uh, uh, Everything. So many links. It's at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. To make it easy, go to secondbrickcomics.com, click on the Patreon button, and then you can go ahead and pledge as little as $5 a month to get that and all the other bonus content from me and Mark Claire. So that's it, Second Brick Comics. Get the Falcon and Winter Soldier recaps on Patreon with me and Caleb talking all about this. There's not a review of the series. This is actually a review of an episode of a fantastic series from Fee, the Foundation for Economic Education, called Out of Frame. And basically what they do is they take uh, movies and TV shows and stuff like that that we all love here, and they go ahead and apply the economic and political principles to broader themes. They did a thing about uh, the Kingpin from Daredevil and New York City uh, housing development and stuff like that. They've done a bunch of other stuff. Really cool series. It kind of touches me personally because I tried doing something very similar very early on in my content uh, creator career. It was a small series I produced with my brother and Lines of Liberty called uh, Fanboys and Freedom where we tried to do the same thing. We did Captain America Civil War. We did uh, Westworld. We did Rick and Morty. 
this series kind of takes it up a notch with that running idea of using entertainment and pop culture in order to educate people, kind of like what we do here. But back to it, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, did cover a lot of what I considered kind of shallow political themes. We talk, I mean, they, they talk about open borders. They talk about race relations. They talk about a bunch of things. And it kind of just touches all of that and doesn't really do anything. And when they do try and make it seem like there's something deeper and more complicated going on, they go ahead and just do an incredibly shitty job at explaining it. Honestly, to sum it up, you know, as if I haven't summed up already over, over doing those recaps of Caleb, to sum up the recap of the recaps, it's a D plus, C minus type of series. The action is great. The effects were great. It had a few funny moments, but the writing is terrible. The dialogue is bland, and it doesn't really nail the landing. I was really kind of disappointed with this series. I think it's nothing against the actors except the chick that played Carly Morgenthau. Uh, she was, she's just a terrible actress, and I gave her – I'm on the record saying this over at those reviews I did with Caleb – I'm on the record basically saying that I had nothing against her. I gave her every opportunity in the world, but she freaking sucks. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go ahead and play for you the audio from um, Out of Frame, and I'm just going to go ahead and give my raw reaction to it. I saw a little bit of it, and I thought, you know, this would be a good episode. So we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Uh, Thank you to Fee for putting out this great content that I am going to bastardize and recycle here for my own purpose. So sit back, relax. And listen to me scream about some stuff. And if you like this, if you like this, I'll say this one last time, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. You can get all this and other exclusive content from Second Print Comics over there. So on the run, listeners, if you love the comic and nerd talk and can't get enough of it here, I do it every Wednesday of Mark and every other day we've got exclusive content coming out directly on patreon.com slash secondprintpod. So other than that, away we go. Falcon and Winter Soldier is the latest MCU show to drop on Disney+. Plus. It's gotten mixed reviews. And- I'm just going to butt in real fast. I had really high hopes for the series of all the Disney Plus shows that were coming out. This is the one I really wanted to be excited about. I thought WandaVision was going to be all right, but WandaVision was an absolute like spectacular, must-see television event. So for Falcon and Winter Soldier not to deliver on that after seeing what they could do with two pretty... You know, C-list characters, Wanda and Vision. Um, I was I was already kind of disappointed, but you know, I won't let that get in the way of this. And I'll be honest, there are several things I really don't like about the show. But as we got farther into the story, I think it added some missing context to the MCU, and I started to enjoy it more and more. So today, I thought I'd talk about a few themes that connect back to a lot of the ideas I've brought up in the past on this series, as well as some new ideas that I think should get way more serious attention. As some of you may recall from the two episodes I did on Thanos wiping out half of all life in the universe, the snap would have been insanely destructive in every possible way. I just want to go ahead and point out that when something bad happens in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they tend to get over it. I mean, you got lingering stuff like the attack on Sokovia by Ultron in uh, Avengers 2 Age of Ultron that leads over into Captain America Civil War. But other than that, like things are mentioned, but you don't really feel the impact. You don't often see like the civilian collateral damage. They've done it. I'm not going to say they haven't done it. But that's what I like about the Zack Snyder um, DC films between – 
uh, Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, Don Justice, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, come on! That's what happens when you don't pause it at certain points. Um, like you, you always feel it, and it's always referenced, and you always feel the impact. So I'm glad that at least once we go ahead and you know see these things because whether or not you liked the discussion of certain topics in the series or not. It's good to have because at least these are things that make sense. These are issues such as you know displacement, uh, population control, and stuff like that. Like all those issues end up coming up, and you know it's one of those areas where a lot of other people got triggered by that, but I didn't really. It would have almost instantly impoverished billions of people and created widespread shortages of all sorts of goods and services, causing an array of horrible problems. However, whether or not the people of Earth found a way around those problems quickly depends entirely on how they responded to the crisis. Like one of the super funny things about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'll say Marvel in the comics does this more than DC does. They, they like to show that the government is like super efficient and almost always good unless Hydra's infiltrated or something. I mean, this goes through S.H.I.E.L.D. and other stuff. Libertarians should not like the idea of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. is cool in, like, you know, an abstract sense, but, like, if you were to actually say, like, do you want S.H.I.E.L.D. in real life, S.H.I.E.L.D. would be a terrible organization. But, I mean, the, the, the most fictional thing about this entire, you know, universe is that, you know, the government's actually doing well, and while they do show that there's some inefficiency and stuff, it's always that, oh, well, you know, this is just an isolated event. Oh, they're going to go ahead and fix it. The people that couldn't make Obamacare a proper website and, you know, like lose children in migrant deta- uh, detainment facilities, I mean, they, they're the people that are going to go ahead and help, you know, get everyone back home and back in their borders and everything. I mean, that's the one part where I really have to suspend belief, not the fact that all this other stuff like aliens, Infinity Stones, Super Soldiers, and that type of stuff happens to exist. No, it's the idea of an efficient government. And to my surprise, Falcon and Winter Soldier hints at one legitimate way the world actually might have been able to get back on track, at least within a few years. So I think we should talk about that. Of course, that also means we need to take a serious look at the Global Repatriation Council and Earth's very different response to Iron Man's unsnap. And while we're at it, I want to take a minute to talk about Captain America, why Steve Rogers represents a lot more than America's greatest values, and why it would be completely impossible for politicians to replace him. We're going to get into all that and more on this thrilling episode of out of frame. After what I thought was a bit of a slow start, Falcon and Winter Soldier picks up on several plot lines from Marvel's movies and builds on the aftermath of the Avengers battle with Thanos in Avengers Endgame. Five years after half the population of Earth was snapped out of existence, everyone is magically returned to life, and the world is... You know, now that I think about it, that's basically the year 2020 in a nutshell. It's like a whole year of our lives was just basically like sucked into a black hole of despair and lunacy. And I'm not talking about even the political stuff. I'm talking about like just life in general with that type of stuff. And now we're kind of here. So like in like a meta type of way, isn't it so ironic that Avengers Endgame and all that came out like right before all that happened? Just an obscure thought. Just throwing it out there. An entirely different place. Iron Man and Black Widow are dead. Captain America retired. The world desperately needs new heroes, but Bucky Barnes is in therapy, and Sam Wilson rejected the opportunity to become the new Captain America. 
He chose to turn the shield over to the Smithsonian and take contract work running special ops for the U.S. military instead. But most importantly, billions of people reappeared from non-existence only to find themselves living in a world that doesn't have room for them anymore. It's bad. Dealing with the instantaneous doubling of the population is every bit as chaotic and... Okay, we'll point out that he's not wrong, but he's also not correct. The issue isn't that all the people came back. In fact, they actually point this out in a couple episodes. I think it's episode one and episode four. It's primarily that the people that came back were prioritized, but the people that were here over the five-year period between the snap and when they came back because of Iron Man's sacrifice, those people feel like they're left behind. So everything going on with the Flag Smashers, led by the little ginger freak, Carly Morgenthau, the, the struggle is that during that time, people started moving around the world, and they started you know, basically moving across borders that were no longer enforced. So the issue, and this is also brought up in episode four, five, and six, is that those people are being forced back and the people that came back from the blip are being put back home. So it's not the other way around. It's that these people began moving and basically now that, you know, property is trying to be given back to its rightful people, um, that that's the big problem because basically Carly's a communist. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They don't want borders. They don't want private property. They want socialization of all goods. And they keep saying that's temporary, but ultimately what you know about communists and socialists is that the stuff is never temporary. So it wasn't the prioritization of the people that were here over the people that came back. It was the prioritization of the people that came back versus the people that were here. Maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't, but I just wanted to go ahead and clarify that. ...destructive as having to cope with losing half the people on the planet at once. Although, of course, their return is better for everyone in the long term. Unfortunately, the governments of the world seem to have responded to the second crisis by concentrating power in the hands of the Global Repatriation Council. As far as I can tell, the GRC is basically a new global government that creates a whole lot of chaos in its inevitably clumsy attempt to organize and control human action around the world. And that's another thing, too. But like at the same time, as much as I hate like stuff like the UN, as much as I hate supranational um, international governing bodies, this idea that you just want people to go back home and that you shouldn't just have you know, nations where you have no clue who's in and who's out and stuff like that. That's a problem. And I don't know if, if the if the narrator's gonna go ahead and criticize like the nation state structure. I'm I'm not a you know, I'm not an open borders libertarian. I believe that there is a, a civil society function within the concept of the state. Uh, so I mean it, it's one of these situations where it's like, you know, for, for this story specifically, I hate the GRC but I don't think that the GRC is doing anything wrong. I think, if anything else, you know, this idea of a giant Marshall Plan, somewhat like what um, NATO did after World War II, the idea of that, but also having to deal with the constant displacement of people over time. Like, you know, of course you're going to have problems, but like of all the things that are going to keep me up at night, trying to make sure I know who's in and who's not in my country is kind of an important thing. So maybe. You know, I, I'm not saying that that's the right answer. I'm just saying that that's my answer. I, you know, I know a lot of libertarians who are split on that, but that's one of the situations where it's like, you know, if you're going to try and fix a problem, you might as well at least, you know, come up with a solution to really understand the problem. But, you know, we'll we'll go ahead and continue. 
It's been given the power to command the allocation of land, resources, and labor, and to dictate the production, distribution, and use of goods and services. They even get to decide... No, it's not. Why? Because they're distributing food and medicine and supplies to these refugee camps. Like, that that's what they're doing. They're not trying to, like, you know, completely restructure countries. That's, um, that, that's not happening. Like, I'm, I'm, I watched that series twice. I'm pretty sure that was not the case. The problem was that they were trying to deliver, you know, supplies and stuff like that. And if anything, the Flag Smashers were violently going out of their way to see how they could go ahead and dictate who gets what and where and when. So, you know, not, you know, I feel like I'm defending big government in this episode, but I also just want to state for the fact that I didn't get that from there. I know Caleb didn't get that from there because that was a discussion we had. I know that listeners of those episodes didn't think that. So I'm dealing with a good chunk of people. And the Second Print Comics listeners, like unlike this show, I don't talk about politics at all over there. And we've got a good mix of people on the left and the right. And if they agreed with me on that, then I think I'm in a pretty good middle ground. So, yeah, I don't think the GRC was – you know, the GRC certainly wasn't the best. The GRC certainly wasn't you know everyone's favorite. But the GRC was not trying to completely restructure nations. They were just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Where people are allowed to live. You're supposed to live in the country you're supposed to legally live in. That, that's not that's not a hard thing to figure out. The GRC has a lot of soft power, too, broadcasting friendly messages all over the world in order to convince the majority of people that they're in good hands. Reset. Restore. Rebuild. A global reset, huh? Sounds familiar. This is the kind of concentrated <laughs> power and propaganda you generally see in socialist and communist dictatorships. So I guess we shouldn't be too surprised that there are a substantial number of people who aren't happy with GRC policies. That's why a group of terrorists... Revolutionaries, depending on whose side you're on. Right, or that. When, when Caleb and I were doing the recaps of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier for the Second Print Comics Patreon, we actually, like talked about that quite a bit and it's like you know think of it this way and i know you've got some people who are like oh well you know the flag smashers are basically antifa what you like fascism and that type of stuff but what was funny was we used uh star wars as an example and it's like what's the difference between a revolutionary and star wars and like you know the quote revolutionaries here in falcon and the winter soldier if luke and leia had at one point done what carly did and blown up a building full of civilians we wouldn't be calling the the rebel alliance and star wars the good guys we'd be calling them killers there's a reason why in star wars rogue one and in the clone wars and in the rebel series we see that saw Gerrera is not anyone's friend the rebel alliance doesn't want anything to do with saw Gerrera because he kills civilians and he does wild evil like shit so even they have a code of don't do this stuff, whereas Carly's basically like, I'll kill anyone and everything that gets in my way. So yeah, Carly's a terrorist, and no one should have to think twice about that. Anyway, that's why a group of super soldiers led by a woman named Carly Morgenthau starts raiding... Morgenthau, Morgenthau. I don't think anyone knows how to pronounce Carly's freaking name. I just call her evil ginger Antifa freak. And supplies from the Global Repatriation Council. Occasionally also blowing up buildings with people inside. Like a terrorist. And if all that weren't bad enough on its own, the U.S. government decides to manufacture a new Captain America by giving his suit and shield to a decorated, regular human soldier named John Walker. I'll get back to that later, but it all sets up multiple points of conflict that I'm sure will continue to be major issues throughout the show and for the future of the MCU. 
Ultimately, Bucky and Sam team up to find and stop the terrorists while maintaining a tense relationship with fake Captain America and his partner, Lamar Hoskins. A lot of that stuff is pretty good, but also the show frequently undercuts its own characters and plot with some really clumsy writing. Oh, thank God he mentions that. Thank God, because the writing on this show is what brings it down. I think the story concept as a whole for this uh, for the series was good, but the dialogue sucks, the pacing sucks, um, the character development is just not there. A whole bunch of stuff is set up that does not really deliver at any point. The writers who did this series should not be allowed to do another Marvel show. I mean, when it comes to the Marvel product line, you do not mess with it. You should be putting your best people towards it. I get it. You got like the Russos who won there doing Community. The next minute they're creating the best action films that have ever existed. But these people freaking suck. Like it's the worst writing. And, you know, it's not because, oh, Sam becomes a liberal and all this other stuff. No, Sam, I, I don't care about that. What I care about are people who sound genuinely like themselves. I don't think the people understood Sam. They don't understand Bucky. And Steve, who's Steve Rogers, who's not even in the series, they talk about him as if they know shit about him. So, I mean, the writing that was done for this is really, really poor. And the fact that the showrunner is going to be doing Captain America 4, which will be a film featuring Sam Wilson as Captain America, that really bothers me. Because the fact that Feige let this in and let it slip under everyone's radar... Um, I'm, I'm incredibly disappointed with that, but maybe he was stuck with the Mandalorian. Who knows? The man's making magic with a million different things happening all at the same time. Most of which only seems to exist to hammer Disney's woke agenda into the MCU. For the sake of time and staying on points, I'm not going to get into those issues here, but I'd be happy to talk about it in the comments. In spite of all that, Falcon and Winter Soldier is more like Captain America Winter Soldier or the first act of Civil War than any of the huge intergalactic epics we've seen since, and I'm very okay with that. I think it's important for Marvel to show the significance of the Infinity Saga for humanity as a whole, especially since that's something Marvel hasn't been very good at. We got a few glimpses of the human costs in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Spider- I got to say it was really weird when I was in theaters watching um, Cap, uh, no, Spider-Man Far From Home because it's like you know a few months after Infinity – I'm sorry, Endgame is in theaters and all this stuff has happened. And the first thing that Spider-Man and his friends are going to do are going to go on a nice cool vacation in Europe. That just felt really off. So I will say at least now actually getting to see the real like cost of all this stuff happening in this series, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, at least that makes more sense whereas – you know, Far From Home just may all feel kind of awkward. Spider-Man Far From Home and WandaVision. But they all focused more on people's feelings of loss rather than the material devastation that would have ravaged global economies on every planet in the universe. Thanos was not only an immoral monster. He was also just plain wrong to believe that a universe with half the population would result in more wealth for the people remaining rather than much, much less. Yeah, like Thanos never once thought like for a second, you know, maybe I should just go ahead and like double the resources and everything. Instead, he pulled like an Anakin Skywalker and it's like, okay, Anakin, we have 12 kids and six chairs. What do we do? Instead of getting six more chairs, Anakin is like, kill six of the children. It's, it's, uh, you, you can't, sometimes you can't wrap your head around supervillain logic. As I said back then, 
More people doesn't just mean more mouths to feed. It also means more minds to create and more hands to build. Our standards of living are powered by specialization, division of labor, and trade. With a fraction of the people, we have a fraction of the knowledge and skills available to improve lives and create the goods and services that we've all come to rely on every day. I really can't overstate this point. Doctors working on cures for major illnesses? Gone. Engineers developing new technology? Gone. Experienced technicians who are the only people around who actually understand the intricacies and idiosyncrasies of an old, cobbled-together network or production system? Gone. Academics conducting basic research, entrepreneurs and inventors who turn that knowledge into practical solutions for human problems. This is um this is a really crude joke, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I had a friend who's like super pro choice, and by that I mean pro murder. And she's been single for like four or five years. So at one point she's like, I wonder if my Prince Charming is there. I wonder where my Prince Charming is. So I went ahead and just posted your Prince Charming was aborted. <laughs> I don't know if you're laughing or not. I can't tell that it's recorded. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna assume that you are laughing with me and you could see the humor in that. If not, I can't help you. Sorry. Problems. Investors who are willing to risk their money to support new ideas. Talented communicators and storytellers who are able to convince the public to give those ideas a chance. All gone. Sure, there would still be some people doing the same types of jobs, but with half the trading partners available in the world and half the ideas and creativity, the rate at which human society advances would slow to a crawl. I'm going to go ahead and just fast forward a few seconds. Well, maybe a minute or so. So basically what he's talking about is how when you go ahead and half like the world's population, for example, you're going to have a massive halt in goods and services and production. So in order to effectively you know, try and get things back to normal, you would need massive collaboration on a scale that no centralized power could go ahead and um, do so. The best thing in this case, as per the show, is you need people to move around freely and get into voluntary cooperation with each other to go ahead and find easy solutions that are mutually beneficial to both parties involved. However, thanks to Falcon and Winter Soldier, it sounds like the improbable may have actually happened in the MCU. In the fourth episode, we get a scene which explains that after the blip, the whole world dropped its nationalistic enmity and opened up their societies to peace, trade, and immigration. For five years, people have been welcomed into countries that have kept them out using barbed wire. There were houses and jobs. Okay, you see, that's part of the problem, though. It, it comes out to this point where with some people, it's always you want closed borders or open borders, and anything that's not the other is the exact opposite. And it's like in this case, you know, there, there is a very legitimate reason as to why we have immigration. I mean, the only countries that are putting up barbed wire are like North Korea and others, where immigration is closed on both sides. Look at the Berlin Wall. The guns were pointed towards East Germany. Why, why are the guns pointing inwards of the fence to keep people from trying to leave? Uh, in this case, you know, we, we live in a world – I mean there's millions of people that come to the United States each year. We need to have a legal system of knowing who's here and who's not here and how things are going to be done. We can't just go ahead and let people willy-nilly just go run around the place. And this is also assuming that in this fictional reality, everything was just perfect. I know that in that five-year period, there's probably a lot of MCU stories of 
you know, how shit went wild. We see that in the beginning of Avengers Endgame. It wasn't all, you know, rainbows and sunshine. So I, I don't like this absolutist dichotomy that's being established. I'm not saying the narrator's doing that. I think he's just following the logical conclusions of the show. But I certainly didn't like it when the show tried doing that. I'm speculating here a little bit, but between that and some of the things Carly Morgenthau says, it really seems like the world got a lot more free instead of less. Probably out of pure necessity, countries got more open to trade and commercial interaction, allowing people to move to parts of the world that had need of their skills and offered better opportunities. It sounds like they mostly just allowed people to find the best ways to adapt on their own. And if anything could have helped the world get through such a massive crisis quickly and with as little additional loss of life as possible, it would have been that. And I mean, what he says is a very good point. I, I can't argue with any of that. I try and imagine myself in these situations, and I'm thinking, you know, if I, if, if the, if like half the world disappeared overnight and things are not going to be the same tomorrow as they are today, what would I do? And honestly, I would probably go to where people would need me and where I can survive. So, like, in that, in that sense, yeah, but I mean, we have to understand what is causing that. It's a massive, big cosmic event. So on, on the premise, I totally agree with the concept. But to say that that is justification for other things going forward, you know, as other people try and take that show and they try and run of the examples in reality, it's like people that tried jumping in saying Harry Potter influenced Trump's Syrian foreign policy and that shit back in 2017. You know, it's, it's nice. Maybe it's a good mental exercise. But at the same time, it's like I'm not going to go ahead and displace the obvious facts behind why these things are here to go ahead and do so because somebody made a, a you know a a poetically framed moral claim in a fictional show about half the population disappearing and reappearing within five years. In the real world, this doesn't even happen after a flood or a tornado, let alone much bigger natural disasters. But I guess that's what we get in a world with half the politicians. But this also brings to mind another thing I said in my first video about Thanos. Wealth is a creation of human ingenuity and expands with every new valuable innovation. As long as people are free to be entrepreneurial and explore new ideas in a context where other people are also free to decide for themselves which innovations are valuable to them, then wealth will increase. That last caveat is critical. The only way to significantly and consistently increase the total amount of real wealth in society is economic freedom. And if the world allowed more of that after Thanos' snap, then it might have been okay. Or at least, not nearly as bad as it could have been. But if not, well, you really don't want to live in that world. Unfortunately, Falcon and Winter Soldier makes it clear that once everybody came back, global economic policy got reset to an even more restrictive set of conditions than we have now. Instead of trying to maintain a free and open society, the Global Repatriation Council seems to be designed to put people back where they left off. Okay, but what about the lives and the property of all the people that came back? Do they not matter? I mean, we see people moving into you know abandoned homes and stuff like that. We see people going ahead and just taking supplies and products and stuff and just kind of moving along with it. I'm not saying that you've got to have some leniency. I mean, five years and half the people disappearing is a pretty good reason to do certain things. But this idea that those people just need to get over it too, 
you know that that's the thing we want to we want to make we want to make a convenient solution for everybody but um you know that's just not going to happen and to his point like you know i probably just provided the own answer to that question when you have the centralized power it's not going to go ahead and make everyone you know happy and prosperous that's what he's been saying with the grc it's just not going to be convenient but at the same time it's like you know you can't get a clean solution with everything i i saw that when i was in the national guard you know uh, hurricane relief, riot relief, earthquake relief, natural disasters, all that stuff. You, you're never doing, you know, what what you always feel is the best solution, you know, given people's, you know, property and stuff like that. You've got to go ahead and just look out for the lives first. And, you know, sometimes you have to ask, it's like, you know, what, what are we doing that's going to make things better six months from now? instead of just fixing the solution right here. It's a difficult thing. And I mean, I think that's the question that the show really tries to put out. It's like, how can we meet the best of our intentions with the best of our actions? And that's the real difficult point. By force, if necessary. Kind of the government. It doesn't seem to matter to them that most returning people are no longer needed in the roles they used to inhabit. And by the way, it's not that their skills couldn't be valuable, including in many or even most of the same professions. It's just that the government has no idea how to decide who should be doing which jobs in which parts of the world. So to try to force people to move to certain regions or restrict what some people are allowed to do with their skills and resources, and by functionally asserting control over the means of production, the government is making an already serious problem much worse. This is an insanely difficult situation that needs a solution. But the answer will never be central planning. So I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and wrap up things here. Uh, the video is great. It brings out a lot of really good points about some other uh, issues that the show brings up that I really think are better if you watch it yourself. This was really the chunk of it that I wanted to focus on. But I think I think he did a great job, uh, did a really good job you know, bringing up points that I didn't really consider and also kind of validating some points that I did kind of pick up when I watched the series I mean, ultimately, and this is what I love about fiction, this is what I love about comics and all this type of stuff, it allows us to exercise these big issues in a realm where, you know, the consequences aren't real. Because, you know, if we're dealing with things in our real life, then the effects are real. But when we get to go ahead and play around with these universes that apply with different rules that are similar and then sometimes completely different, it allows us to ask questions that may or may not apply down the road in some degree in our life. And, you know, uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think you should watch it, especially if you're an MCU fan uh, like myself. I mean, I certainly hope that they could get a season two maybe before Captain America 4 comes out. Definitely with different writers because at the end of the day, I mean, the story the story had a lot of good elements to it. It's just it was poorly executed. And when the best thing I'm complimenting are the fight scenes and action and stuff, but 90 like let's say 95% of the show is just – just dialogue and stuff. Sorry, I'm like hiccuping like crazy and it's going to take a while for me to edit this out because it's been a long day. Um, you know, it's it, it goes ahead and kills a series. But anyway, when it comes to this topic of open borders, when it comes to, you know, uh, free trade and stuff like that, these are very, very complicated issues, but I'm glad that we get to go ahead and discuss it together. I'm going to leave the link to this video on the show notes so you can go ahead and catch up on everything I talked about and catch up on everything else that we didn't talk about. Shout out to Out of Frame at Fee. You guys do a great job. I love your content. Please keep doing it. As always, folks, it costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. A five-star rating interview and Apple Podcast does the trick. And as always, 
Be good, be safe, and I'll talk to you later.